This episode of Intentional Living with Neely Cousins is generously sponsored by the Mary Ellen and Drew Weissman Charitable Giving Foundation. Design the life you want to live. Welcome to Intentional Living, a podcast that empowers you to learn from yesterday, make better choices for tomorrow, and build a life that's worthy of you. Here's Neely Cousins. I was living in Philly and speaking at a university in Washington, D.C. An old friend came to the talk. Afterwards, we schmoozed a bit too long, and I realized I was ridiculously late for my train back to Philly. And this is where my story begins, running for the train and the two exceptional kindnesses shown to me that night. I had taken the subway, known as the Metro, from D.C. Amtrak Station to the university, and I planned to take the Metro back, but I was just too late. There was no way I had time for that now. So with my train's departure in less than an hour, I frantically hailed a cab. I got in, I slammed the door behind me, my whole story tumbled out for the driver so he would understand I was officially in a rush. He got the picture Immediately, nicest guy, he sped off and he said he'd take me around to the back entrance of the station, which was closer to the actual track so I wouldn't have to walk so far, maybe would shave a few minutes off and help me make my train. As the station came into view, he pointed out exactly which door I should use, and at the last red light before I got out, he even turned off the meter early so I could pay at the red light and shave off another minute or two. That's when I found out he didn't take credit cards. Ow. We looked at each other in the rear view mirror for a few very long, very loud seconds. I felt awful. Here he'd been so nice to me, going out of his way, driving to the back door, turning off the meter early. I had scored a ride with the nicest cab driver in Washington, D.C. And now I was going to stiff him? I mean, there was just no way. So I said, give me your address, I'll mail you a check. And I'm already pulling out pen and paper to give him my information. This is like the early 2000s, you know, before smartphones or apps or PayPal on your phone. You know, this this is back in the old days. He looked at me like, yeah, right, mail me a check and sell me a bridge while you're at it. So I said, no, seriously, I will mail you a check. I will not steal from you. You can trust me. So like, what was he going to do? Hold me hostage? He knew I had to go. I had to catch my train. So he gave me his address and said goodbye with finality, you know, like, have a nice life and goodbye. Of course, I mailed the check the next day with a nice tip and a nice note. He'd been amazing to me. He deserved it. I never heard back from him, but I hope I surprised him, maybe restored his faith in humanity with that check just a little. But that's just the intro of what was in store for me that night. I thought arriving at the station on time was the punchline. No, no. The best was yet to come. So I bolt out of cab and into the station to find out that I was officially in the middle of nowhere. The place was completely deserted. There were those railings that are supposed to like serpentine long lines waiting for trains But everything was deserted. There was not a soul around, not a worker, not a passenger, not even a marquee that listed the upcoming trains. I felt my throat tighten. My train was leaving in less than 15 minutes and I had no idea where to go. I was in big trouble. 
So I started running. I wasn't quite sure I was headed in the right direction, but at that point, I just needed a human to give me directions and there weren't any where I was, so anything was better than that. So I just ran at full speed in my high heel boots, holding my bag with my notes and all my stuff in it. Turned out I was in much worse shape than I thought, but I had no choice. I was totally out of breath and potentially heading in the wrong direction, but I just kept running, looking for where all the people had gone. I finally saw what looked like life in the distance. There were some Amtrak workers like sweeping up cigarette butts and cracking each other up. And I yelled to them at a full run without stopping, where's the 11 p.m. to Philly? They looked at me like I was nuts, but vaguely pointed in the same direction I was running. Thank God. Long story short, that repeated itself a few times until I finally found the right gate. By that point, I was so totally out of breath, my lungs were actually burning every time I inhaled. And I was amazed I hadn't twisted an ankle running for so long in my boots. The conductor taking tickets was so calm and comforting. I felt like she was welcoming me home. Slow down, honey. You're fine. You made it, sugar. It's okay. And in between my panting, I tried to smile, but I probably just looked like a disheveled lunatic. I felt like a hero, you know, like a marathon runner in high heels. But honestly, I probably just look like a lunatic. So I stagger down the steps of the platform and I stumble onto the train and collapse into the first available seat. And I'm still trying to catch my breath, but I'm seriously almost hyperventilating. So I take out my bottle of water to take a sip and like catch my breath when it happened. You know how you get that minuscule, teeny tiny drop of water that somehow goes down the wrong pipe, and then it's like stuck in the back of your throat, and no matter how much you cough, you just can't quite get it out. You know what I mean? So that was me. So I'm coughing and coughing and clearing my throat and coughing again, and each time thinking, I'll get it this time. I mean, I have to. But I just could not clear my throat. Now, usually when this happens, we're either with people who care about us, or we can at least go outside to choke in a hallway with some privacy and dignity. But I'm on a moving Amtrak train in the middle of the night. I have neither friends nor a hallway to save me. So I'm just sitting there coughing and clearing and hemming so much that people were beginning to like turn around and give me dirty looks. And this is way before Corona. You know, now if someone coughs, you feel like calling the CDC and having them arrested. This is back in the early 2000s. This was just plain old normal cough with plain old normal germs. And I was still getting death stares. So I really tried to stifle it, but it just wouldn't go away. I kept coughing. Finally, I just had to get out of there. So I got up and went for a walk on the moving train. And I ended up in the cafe car, which was staffed by this happy older gentleman. And as soon as I stepped into his car, the energy completely changed. It was like stepping through the wardrobe into Narnia. It was just him alone in the cafe car. But I felt like I'd walked into his cafe, like some mobile epic version of Cheers or Casablanca. So I sidled up to the bar. Well, not actually. I was on a moving train going 100 miles for an hour. I was just trying not to fall. But I felt like I should have been sidling. It was just that kind of moment. And I asked him if he has tea, which he does. 
And I tell him my whole throat problem. By this time, what had started out as burning lungs from trying to catch the train had turned into clear my throat a thousand times to get the drop of water out. And by now, I had been coughing for so long, I was actually starting to get a seriously sore throat. So he says, tea with lemon, that's what you need. So I keep kosher. And a long story short, I just don't do cut lemon on Amtrak train cafe cars. It's a little complicated, but it's just, it's not a thing. Now, normally, I keep my dietary restrictions to myself, you know, a simple no thank you, and that's it. But I just told him my whole throat saga, so no thank you was just not going to work here. It actually felt kind of rude to not accept what he was so generously offering me. So I just told the truth. I said, I'm so sorry, but I keep kosher and I can't use a knife and blah, blah, blah. So he listened to my whole Megillah and then he said, what do I need to do so you can have the lemon? And I briefly listed new lemon, plastic knife, paper plate. And he said, no problem. And right there in front of me, he took out a new lemon, a plastic knife, and a paper plate. And he made me a cup of tea. And then he said, I'll even teach you a trick. And then he pulled out a box of throat lozenges, which were kosher, and dropped one into the tea. And he said, let that dissolve and then drink it. Does the trick every time. And do you know, he was right. It was the most soothing cup of tea I've ever had. I remember it until today. And whenever I have a sore throat, I drop a lozenge into my tea. And I remember that Amtrak train conductor who cared enough to go the extra mile for me in his cafe car. And here's what I learned from that. Whatever you do, do it well. Because whatever situation you're in, you are meant to be there. So show up. What set that man apart was not that he made the best cup of tea in the world, although maybe he did. What set him apart was that he took himself and his life seriously, and he cared enough to do a good job. So many times today, people don't care. We get paid the same whether we do a good job or a bad one, so why bother? He could have been resentful that he was working the cafe car in a midnight train. Instead, he was magnanimous. He was gracious. He was a gentleman. Instead, I felt like a guest in his home. Instead, I remembered him for decades. Because he was happy and because he cared, he emanated self-respect. And that spilled over into respect for others. Conversely, here's a different story. I was once on a plane that gave out snacks for free. So this one steward was slowly walking through the plane with a basket of snacks and offering it to each passenger on both sides of the aisle. And he was like visibly annoyed if people took too long or asked a question. And I was just thinking, what a missed opportunity. He could have been the highlight of the trip, smiling and making everyone feel good like my friend on the Amtrak train. And the saddest irony is the person who would have benefited the most would have been him. The more happiness you give away, the more of it you have for yourself. Now, my point is not to blame the steward. You know, it could be his father is sick in the hospital or something. I'm not judging this guy. I don't know what's going on in his life. I can give him a pass. 
I'm just contrasting these two experiences that I had. Here are two men, I'm sure both good people, just trying to do their best, both in a position of providing food for travelers on a moving vehicle that they can't leave. Why not do your job with pride? Why not make people feel good? You have to do the job anyway. Do it like it counts, because it does. Living intentionally means wherever you find yourself, trust that that is where you are meant to be. Whatever you're doing, make a difference. Do it well. I'll tell you one last story. I recently heard an interview of the late Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, former chief rabbi of England, and he was retelling the story of meeting the Lubavitcher Rebbe as a college student. The Lubavitcher Rebbe was a very famous, very well-known rabbi, a leader of hundreds of thousands of Jews. Meeting him was a huge privilege. The Lubavitcher Rebbe asked the young Jonathan Sachs what Jewish life was like at his university in England. And Rabbi Sachs admitted most Jews weren't involved in Jewish life on campus. And the Rebbe asked him, and what are you doing about that? And 20-year-old Rabbi Sachs wasn't doing anything about that, so he felt a little bit flustered. And to sort of stall while he thought of an answer, he started saying to the Rebbe, well, the situation in which I find myself, when the Rebbe interrupted him and said, you don't find yourself in a situation, you put yourself in a situation. If this one isn't working, put yourself in another The Rebbe did not mean switch schools. The Rebbe meant do something differently exactly where you quote unquote find yourself. In other words, show up. And Rabbi Sachs describes this as the moment he was told to be a leader. He went on to become the chief rabbi of England, knighted by the queen, author of countless books with a seat in the House of Lords. What situations do you find yourself in and how can you put yourself in a different one? We are all leaders. None of us are victims. Show up. Choose to make the most of wherever you are. Choose to live intentionally. Thanks for listening to Intentional Living. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Neely next time for more timeless Jewish wisdom that inspires you to make the choices that lead to a life you love. You're listening to a Momentum Podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, Visit MomentumUnlimited.org.